One of the things that Christianity works at is having the story win over the images. And at Christmas time, we are bombarded with all kinds of images. And that's one of the reasons why in preaching at Christmas time to remind us what was the original story. Because we live in a world where photos just seem to be so important and the original story takes second place. I saw a a line that I thought was amazing um, in one of the organizations that I follow. But the headline for the article was, if your life isn't Instagrammable, Christmas is for you. Now, Instagrammable is one of those words I think that hasn't quite made it into the Oxford you know, dictionary yet. But... Um, I touch base with Instagram, which is a place where people post pictures to keep up with my children and my grandchildren. Um, And I realize that not everybody does that, but there are more and more people that just post and post and post and take pictures and take pictures. But some people live lives of sadness, isolation. where they don't want their story told. And see, I thought about that. This story that we read every year was not a story that Mary and Joseph would have wanted to tell their neighbors because they would have had to convince them of one of the central parts of this, that Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That they had not committed fornication. They had not come together sexually before they were married. Now, one of the things that I want to say, and you've heard me say this before, is the first response when you read Matthew here should be to listen and not to compare. Because it's so easy to jump over and say, well, Luke says this, Luke says that, about the birth narratives. But to listen... Matthew starts off the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And he goes through this covenant hall of fame, the milestones of waiting for the seed. And what you see in some places is places where people are adopted into the line, that that whole theme that in my preaching on the covenant, that the covenant is a, an expression of God adopting us into his family. It's interesting that in the line, in this covenant hall of fame, are three women, Tamar, Ruth, and Bathsheba by reference. You see, the, being the line of Judah, how did the line of Judah get there? Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law, whose husband died, and Judah kept promising, oh, I'll get your husband, I'll get your husband. 
Year after year, it doesn't happen. So she comes up with this idea. Because she knows that Judah's got a weak spot. She poses as a prostitute. He didn't have any money, so he takes some identifying things. She's pregnant. When he finds out his daughter-in-law's pregnant, he wants to kill her, and then he sends her this belt that says, here's the father. And he realized, uh-oh, it's me. But see, that's, that story is put down in the text to remind us of God's grace. The story of Ruth reminds us of how a migrant, an immigrant, is brought into the covenant line. In Bathsheba, murder and adultery. Bathsheba was the daughter of one of his close aides who married one of his military um, people, Uriah the Hittite. And through that adultery and that murder and all of that comes Solomon. So you see, the line of the covenant is full of God's grace. It's full of examples of people saying that, you know, if you think you're too bad or people want to push you out because you've got this or you've got that, you just come back to the text and say, hey, look at the line of Jesus. Verse 16 reminds us that Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. You see, the genealogy of Jesus in this passage is one where the bloodline is there, but also the adoption line is there. Remember last week we looked at John the Baptist, these two old people like Abraham and Sarah have a child. But now it is the special birth by the Holy Spirit. One of my things about preaching at Christmas and Christmas music and all of that is that I, I think that Christmas can be a time when we fall in love with Jesus again, when we renew our love for him, because we're reminded he was willing to become vulnerable and be a baby, to become like us. And then in the midst of all the busyness, commercialism, all the other stories, we can hear the story through scripture and renew our love of the God who sent his son to save us from our sins. Now, the Christmas story in Matthew renews the story of covenant adoption when Joseph obeys God and adopts Jesus into the line of David from where Jesus will save us. You see, that's one of the things that's very clear in the text in Matthew is that God is coming through the angel in this dream to say, you're going to bring Mary's son, who's by the Holy Spirit, into the line of David. Because remember how he was introduced at the very beginning? Son of David, son of Abraham. These big milestones, these big covenants. 
And so when the Apostles' Creed says, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, those are some of the first things that the Apostles' Creed writers and people have said throughout the centuries is true about Jesus Christ. You see, today we want to rewrite stories. I think, you know, it's, it's like, you, you know, when you're my age, you go, okay, we'll see where this ends. You know, when they, they want to change the roles of different characters in the Christmas story. Well, it depends on which part of the Christmas story. You know, whether Santa Claus is Turkish or French or Spanish or Italian, you know, it's Santa Claus. It's not Jesus Christ born of the Virgin because of the Holy Spirit. See, at God's direction, Joseph adopted Jesus into the house of David. And I stress that adoption because that is one of the things that the covenant and this whole idea of God's grace, when he reaches out and brings us into his family, we're adopted because he chooses to love us. And this adoption through the covenant is something that he spent the whole Old Testament getting us ready for. And he sends his son And the Son of God needs to be adopted. What does that say to people who, you know, for generations were saying, well, your family's not important, your family's not important, your family's not important. See, we, we live where centuries people believe that power and money were what it was all about. But in the gospel, in in the birth of Jesus Christ, he reminds us that no matter where we are, we need to be adopted by God, like Jesus was. Jesus was brought into David's life. See, the father that directs the adoption, verse 21, through the angel, she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus. Who gets the name Jesus? The child, the father. But the father here, like Abraham, is being directed by God, the covenant keeper. This is what your child's name is going to be. And so at the end of our text in verse 25, and he called his name Jesus. That reaching out and naming that child to bring him into the family line. See, Joseph needed this special information. See, Mary had it. Mary knew that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, that she had not been unfaithful to God's command, that she was not an adulteress, not a fornicator. But Joseph found out, and he was going to quietly put her away, and the angel comes and says no. And see, what happens is you move from this fear of, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into, to obedience. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she gave birth, and he called his name Jesus. See, he obeys the word of God. His fear is removed by the word of God. 
to take Mary as his wife as he had planned to. Not to know her sexually, but, but to wait until that son is born. And then to name him Jesus. See, it's part of God's grand story. Where he uses people that sometimes at the beginning don't understand how God wants them to do it. But Joseph was given by God three names for his adopted son by means of revelation. Jesus Christ and Emmanuel. See, one of the things that I I hope we can do is in going over this story is that it will refresh in our minds the meanings of the names because so often when we use people's names that have meaning, that are given that name for a purpose, that we just let it roll off our backs, let it roll off of our minds. So when when Matthew begins his book, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, one of the things that we need to remember is that Jesus is the Greek way of saying Joshua, the one who saves. So every time we say the word Jesus, we need to think that that name means the one who saves. That he's the one who saves me, because later on, we're going to look at it, he saves his people from his sins. But, we live in an age where people want to be so independent. People want to say, well, I don't need to be saved. What do I need to be saved from? I mean, why can't I just pull myself up, as they say in America, by my bootstraps? Why do I need to be saved? That is one of the things in our community, in our world that we live in, that we forget that most people don't think they need to be saved because they think they're doing just fine. Because the second name, Christ, the anointed, the Messiah, the one who is the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, that he has again come to save us, that he is the anointed one, that that is his mission. You see, we need to move in that pace in our lives when we hear the story of Christmas that we hear the whole story not just the ones that are pleasant and nice you know people love peace on earth and goodwill towards men and that's a great passage but you can't then just hear that and not hear the angels say that Jesus is going to because his name means savior that Jesus is going to save his people from their sin. And then Emmanuel. I think it's wonderful how we have in this text kind of a hook that reaches back into the Old Testament. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, we need to move beyond a Christmas card message about Christ. 
It can be almost as short, Jesus the Savior, Christ the Messiah, the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, Emmanuel, God with us. See, do we believe in a world where God can come into the world, that he can send his Son into the world, that he can send his Holy Spirit into the world, he can give us the Word of God in the world we live in? That he's not some God that has been created and made up by men, but that we have received the information he has given to us. He has made that covenant. Now, the last part about this passage that I want us to think about, fully God, birthed by the Holy Spirit, fully man, birthed by Mary, Jesus saves his people from their sins. See, verse 18 reminds us that she was with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, I realize that for people that live in the world that we live in, that seems unbelievable. Because if you, if you think that that is true, that means you really believe that there is a God who is there, who has defined himself, and who tells us who he is. That he can change a woman's biology. I mean, Matthew reminds us again in verse 18 and then in verse 20, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to go into a technical lecture against abortion and things like that, but this is a passage. When we think about life, we look at verse 20, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, in saying that he's fully God and he's fully man, is to describe something that the early church had to come to terms with. Because indeed, Jesus Christ was unique, is unique. Fully God, fully man. One personality, but yet he's fully God and fully man. He is a complex person with both the human and the divine nature. One of the things that people face when you do evangelism, when you present people the gospel is, will they accept Jesus Christ as he is defined in scripture, as he defines himself? See, so often today we want to describe the story. We want to make up the rules. We want to define this. We want to do that. But God says, this is who I am. The Son of God, clothed in flesh, came to save us from our sins. It goes already all the way back to Genesis 3. When God is speaking to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, for he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, one of the things that we face in our culture is growing what is referred to as cynicism, where people become cynical in nature, they become critical 
And it's like they can't see anything good. And we have to be careful in the church that we are not infected by cynicism. We are changed by God's love, that he indeed came to save his people from their sins. That means that I must be willing to confess my sins. And we use the word verses in 1 John 1, 9 and following. You know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That I need to confess my sins. The confession says that I sin in thought, word, and deed every day. But we know that when we confess our sins, what does it say? He is faithful and just and will forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means the sins that I don't know I've committed, God says, I will forgive you, I will cleanse you. That my reconciliation with him, my forgiveness, is not based on my ability to remember every sin I have committed. Because Jesus came to save me from my sins, and he saves me from my sins. And then to fall in love with Jesus again. Fully God, fully man. Born of the Holy Spirit, born of Mary. Jesus the Christ, Emmanuel. Let us pray. Father, we pray now that as we worship you as we give you the honor as we go out and the word Christmas is just blasted to us we pray that we might remember Christ we might remember Jesus the one who saves us from our sins we might remember Emmanuel the God who goes with us and we are not alone Father we pray that this message that is here and all the other messages in the Gospels about the birth of Christ would go out and people would hear them. Hear the real story of Jesus. We pray now in our worship we might give you that glory. We pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.